Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the deep dive today. After Liverpool being beaten by Real Madrid, mauled by Madrid, in fact, I'm with Josh Williams to dissect it, discuss what went wrong, and see if we can find. Any reasons for the obliteration once again at the hands of Carlo Ancelotti's Madrid side? Uh, Josh, it's not a fun one today for us. We're trying to find some solace in in what Jürgen did. But I think before we get into it too much, last night's game, we've kind of got to set the scene here. And, you know, the first leg left us far too much to do. Um, We had that great start, of course, two early goals. And then completely capitulated. Why, Josh, for you, are Liverpool now conceding these stupid, easy goals all the time? I don't really know, to be honest. I mean, we, we've touched on it a few times, haven't we, about this confidence thing. Um, Liverpool seem to, if something goes their way, they seem on top of the world and they seem to score seven goals in a single game. And then if something goes against them, they seem to go the opposite way, really, and kind of collapse. And as you say, we started the game really well against Madrid in the first leg go two goals ahead and stuff and, and then out of nowhere. Um a few mistakes, a few errors from, from big players and like the likes of Allison and things like that. And then a ball deflects off Gomez's his leg to go in, in, in the back of the net again. Um, before you know it you've conceded five at home. So I, I think a lot of it stems from just Liverpool being a really fickle um side at the minute. You know, the opposite of mentality once is almost where they can kind of get taken in different directions by whatever's happening in the game rather than dictating that themselves. Well, what 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 how, what do you think, or how can you surmise going from mentality monsters to these people who just blow away with the wind? Like you know what I mean? Like yeah. and and in both a good way and a bad way because a goal lifts them up and they look like they're unbeatable, and a, a goal against makes them look like the worst side I've ever watched. Yeah. Well, I think that the base for the confidence is the is your performances. I think if you're performing well, if you're performing safe, particularly on the defensive side of the game, you usually that that usually like follows through throughout the rest of the team. They say don't do that like getting your goalkeeper sorted in particular, and that that breeds confidence into the centre halves, the midfield, the forward line, and that sort of stuff. But I think the team is just kind of well aware that throughout the season. We just haven't really been there performance-wise. We we haven't controlled a, a lot of games. We haven't really been a dominant side competing for the biggest honours and stuff. We're out of all the cup competitions now and it's only mid-March. So I think that's where it stems from. And I think, obviously, there's expectation at Liverpool to not be like that. Mm. Whereas if Brentford are playing every week and one week's good, one week's bad, they probably just kind of deal with it. Whereas if it's Liverpool and we've just come off competing for a quadruple, it's just almost a bit embarrassing for the players, I think, and I think everyone's looking at each other a bit like, 
What's going on? What's 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 the problem? That's one of the things that I look around the side at the moment, and you know, there's lots of arms flailing in the air, like when we can see the goal, and it's it's I don't know where they're they're passing the book or they're frustrated at the people that they're playing with. I mean, last night's goal is a, as an example. You know, we're going to talk about Trent Alexander Arnold on our second show of the week, which will be on Plus, but like. He doesn't cover himself in glory. Tense Alexander Arnold just completely switches off mm. to Vinicius Junior. You know you got Virgil Van Dijk who is a bit wishy washy during the goal itself. You've got Ibu Kanate who is aggressive but misses the ball as the ball's played in from I think it was Camavinga to yeah. maybe Benzema or something like that. Like there's Fabinho the, was Fabinho was statue. yeah a statue. So like. It's all well and good throwing your arms up in the air, but it's none of you doing your job. It's like, who are you supposed to blame when they're all not doing it? Yeah, yeah. This is this is what I mean. It's like a collective thing, really. And I think Pep Linders once said, um, he said to defend, we need 22 legs and two gloves, basically, as in it's a team exercise. And I think throughout the season, from the front right the way backwards, it's been a, a defensive, a defensively almost open team for, for the most part. I think some of that has been tackled a little bit since January and since Gakpo's operated in the in the middle as like the nine who's been a bit deeper, so it's kept the team a bit more compact and stuff. But overall, I think Madrid last night just found it too easy to just move past this front six. And and, and it's the back four isolated a lot of the time. Um, and I've said before, I don't think it's a coincidence that Every centre-back, at least at the club, but you could throw Trent in as well, but every centre-back, all four of them, have experienced a collective drop in standards. There's been more errors, more mistakes, and weird moments. And this because of this? Yeah, I think it stems from the lack of protection, yeah. Um, I think there's been some errors in there where they just need to, need to do better, simply. Um, but I do a lot of it does stem from... Just they're just wide open, really. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And you know, next then, obviously, moving into the game, you seem to have got a little bit of rhythm in the centre of the park over the last few weeks. Fabinho's starting to tick into a little bit more form than we'd seen earlier on in the season. By Chetty's just coming in and done, done a good job in either the six or most recently in the eight. Hmm. Henderson's come in and done a job. Harvey Elliott's been getting better. Going into this game and, and finding out that Pacetic isn't going to be available, Jordan Henderson isn't going to be available, Klopp's kind of had his hands tied here, hasn't he? And, yeah. and you know, he's got to change it up. Now, we obviously went to this sort of 4-2-3-1 in possession, maybe a 4-3-3 out of possession, yeah. with Gakpo dropping in. What did Klopp, What were Klopp's options as you saw it heading into the game against Madrid? Um, well, I think... Ancelotti's previously got the the best of club, hasn't he? I think he's got a solid record against them, and I think after just Liverpool in general as well. Not yeah, just yeah, yeah. I think after beating us in the Champions League final last season, I thought it was curious that after the game he, he described it as a uh, easy to decipher, um, and it's it's because he knows what to expect. Essentially, it's always four three three. You've got your creative fullbacks, you've got your disciplined midfield, and you've got your PC forwards who flank uh, a false nine and usually threatening behind in transition and stuff like that. Um, so I think Ancelotti's known what to expect. So I think maybe Klopp is going into this thinking, we've got nothing to lose, we're three goals down, and I don't really have much of a midfield, so I'll field four attackers. Um, but I do think we saw evidence that like fielding more attackers doesn't necessarily just make you more offensive or more attacking or more creative or whatever. Because uh, I thought, 
I thought specifically building the game, we were just a bit of a mess. But I mean, we, I suppose we'll touch on that. But in terms of what Klopp had t- to do with his options and stuff, I mean, the midfield he ended up opting for. You got a, a two of Fabinho and, and Milner. You know, Milner's 37 now. Isn't the quickest. Fabinho's never been the quickest. And then you've got Gakpo, who's playing as a 10. Slotting in as an eight defensively. Was bought as a left-sided forward. Has been playing as a false nine. So You just have to say it like that. It's, well, you, it's absolutely ridiculous, isn't I, it? I, but the thing <laughs> is, you've got that against... Real Madrid. Modric, Cruz, Camavinga, mate. So I just felt the middle of the park was a uh, crucial during the game and they just kept it ticking over, didn't give us a sniff and controlled the game and we haven't had the control throughout no. the season. Maybe. One of the big things that I thought was a massive problem for us was when we were looking to build up from the back, it looked to me like, you know, you got Fabinho and James Milner in these two DM sort of positions and you got Gapo absolutely miles away. And the space for me between the two centre midfielders and the four forward players was just almost insurmountable at times. Yeah. You know, it's like, how are you going to get the ball to them if you're not going to just hoof the ball down the field? There's no way for us to build up through the through the thirds of the pitch. And that was the thing I felt we let ourselves down with. We didn't play as a three-man midfield. It played as a two and a one. Yeah. And that was difficult for us, I think. You know, I, I did wonder about Trent Alexander-Arnold's second half, his position and going forwards and stuff. And, you know, he's taking up these positions in the half space and trying to occupy players and stuff. But that very much felt to me like it's a last roll of the dice here. We need to go and try and throw another body forward. My biggest disappointment probably on the night, not because he played badly, but was because we just didn't seem to work Robbo down the left-hand side at all. Mm. And... I can't understand why that wasn't an option for us. Because I'll be honest with you, I thought Trent, in an attacking sense, I'm not even talking about his defensive stuff, I thought he was poor. Mm. I thought his final delivery was poor. How many times his corners were over here, from here? How many times his cross ended up over here? It just, he didn't seem to get the width of the pitch right. And yet you've got a lad here who's willing to run it up and down the field, who likes to play little one-twos, who we kind of just went play left-back and stay left-back. I don't know what it was, but it, it frustrated me. And it wasn't until, for me, and I don't know whether you agree, it wasn't until Bobby and Harvey Elliott came on and we proper switched it into a bit more of a 4-3-3 formation that we actually started to build up properly, mm. utilising Bobby and his touches to pop things off to the forward players. And that was when we actually started to be able to move the ball forward, although we couldn't actually get a shot off for love nor money either way. Yeah. Well, one thing I found curious after the game, looking at the numbers, was Liverpool's bottom four players right for pass accuracy, just general pass completion right. Three of Liverpool's bottom four were in the back three. Yeah. Uh, were in the back the defensive line. So you had Trent, Canate and Robertson all posted pass completions below 74%, which is unheard of. Yeah. For a dominant side who are going to build the game here and just generally, you know, you see it all the time, don't you? Canate and Van Dijk have got ages on the ball and you can kind of do what they want with it. For three of these four players to... to three of four in, passes are missing. Well, yeah, the only, player the, who, the only player who, who completed fewer percentage of his passes than, than these three lads, apart from Van Dijk, was Jota. And Jota's always down there. Jota's just one of them players. Um but I think that kind of summed up the platform Liverpool were given to have any kind of control in this game. And I don't know if that stemmed from these players just having a bad night. Maybe they made bad decisions on the ball. I think Trent forced it a lot. But it could also, again, stem from 
you don't want to pass in here. Mm. And when you do pass in here, maybe they're not keeping it or, you know, they're getting snuffed out by Modric or Camavinga or whatever. But I think overall, the platform that Liverpool had and the platform that they've had for most of the season to kind of control the game and gain a full hold and construct an attack. And then if that attack fails, then construct the next one, then construct the next one. You keep coming with these waves. We haven't really had that. And I do think a lot of it stems again from the. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The middle of the field. So I'm going to take it back now to the sort of 4-2-3-1 formation instead. And one of the things that I wanted to discuss now is the progressive passes uh, for Liverpool. Now, I've got the rankings in front of me. Uh, top two players, Fabinho with 10 progressive passes. Mm. Trent Alexander-Arnold with 10 progressive passes. Second best, uh, Cody Gakpo. Um, it was obviously playing in the 10 position and James Milner with seven progressive passes apiece. Now, we've discussed this when we've been at the game. I don't know whether we've discussed it on show or not, but you, you mentioned to me when we when we watched the game the other week that, you know, having the likes of maybe Joel Matip yeah. on the field and Thiago as our progressive passes, we look different without them mm. because they're very good at it. Now, when you're asking Fabinho and James Milner to be your two two of your four biggest progressive passes on the evening, it's probably not a good situation for Liverpool to be in, is it? No, and I, on top of that as well, it's generally progressive passes are deemed to be valuable and, and a good thing, and, and they are, but you also have to kind of make them at the right time. Um, otherwise, if you, if you kind of accelerate the game when you're not really in a position to do that, and okay, you complete your progressive pass, but... Literally but a there's no support later, there. Yeah, literally a second later, you might lose the ball. You then get counter-attacked and you're, you're wide open then. Um, so I think generally Liverpool's ability to build the game from the back without Matip and Thiago is a, is a problem for me because of how, how much they offer. Um, but Trent Day, I think it's interesting that, you know, we're going to talk about him, aren't we, for the, for the next show, but it's interesting that despite him having like a, a bad game, if you like, he's still top of that rank and I kind of, it does kind of capture the, the threat that he does offer when he's in possession of the ball. But last night, in a lot of situations, it did feel a bit over, overkill, overload, where he's kind of uh, forcing it at times. And maybe it stems from the whole, like, you know, grabbing the game by the scruff of the neck because no one else is doing it. But when you're doing that from here, 
it's such a vulnerable position to, if you lose the ball, especially if your centre mids can't run mm. and, and sweep up the, the, the loose ball or whatever. It was just, uh, just went a great night, was it? What do you think Liverpool's aim was last night? How, how did you think Liverpool went about trying to score goals? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and that, that, that's a concern for me because I was in the same boat. Mm -hmm. You know, watch the full game, watch the highlights back. You at least normally get a sense of what Liverpool's plan is supposed to be. Mm. I've got no idea how Liverpool was trying to score last night other than maybe get Mo Salah one-on-one and see if he can beat Nacho for the first time in two games. Yeah. And it nearly <laughs> happened in the first couple of minutes where he goes past him. But that was it. Yeah. Like, was Gakpo involved enough for you? No, and I was going to say, you know, even having Gakpo as a unorthodox 10, he looks like an 8 when you haven't got the ball, but he looks like a 10 when you have got it. That 10 space was occupied by Camavinga anyway. So I'm looking at that and thinking, like, well, there's no positional kind of edge there, really. Um, I think a lot of the time, the front four that we had, these four players, a lot of them seemed to be, like, all over here at times, I felt. And yeah. Robertson had this wing to himself on his own. Um I thought Trent was forcing it at times. Didn't really offer too much on set pieces off the top of my head. So yeah, it was just a frustrating game. Another question for you then. Why did he take Nunes off? Well, I've seen the backlash on this. I, I think Klopp makes a lot of substitutions based on like fitness and sports science. I don't think he makes too many tactical substitutions, which you can criticise him for. Some coaches make more of those. I think, for example, Ancelotti is one of them. He makes tactical ones. Ten Hag makes a lot of them for Man United. Um, but I think Klopp's substitutions, most of the time, he seems to kind of ignore what's actually happening on the game. And he'll make a sub based on what he's heard before the game about the player's fitness or recovery or whatever. And You know, I, I don't know... two games on the bounce, we've needed a goal, though. And he's taken Nunes off. Can you read anything into that? No, I don't know why he, uh, why he keeps doing that. Um, he's keeping Gakpo on a lot. I've noticed that. And the whole early substitution thing is something that we got from, from Naby as well. Naby, over the course of his Liverpool career, Klopp has a thing where he takes him off all the time, doesn't he? He never plays 90 minutes, whereas if he plays for Guinea, he's playing all the time. Um, so may maybe it stems from... I do think Klopp has this trust thing. I think if he, if, if he has faith in a player to do a specific thing and he can speak the same language as him and stuff like that, yeah, like Salah. Or, he or, just he's never going to take him off. Yeah, yeah. And Gakpo, Gakpo though arrived as uh, Klopp's touched on like how he's arrived as this player who's, who will improve us defensively, and he's got his own tactical coach, personal coach. Gakpo, uh, he speaks the language, same language as Klopp. I think he looks. I think Klopp looks at Nunes and and Kayser as a bit more like just players who feel the game almost and just kind of go with the flow of the game. And sometimes they're absolutely on it, and if they're not. He seems willing to just substitute them for fitness reasons, or I don't know. I don't know what it is. What about you? The, the Nunes thing was baffling to me because I felt like Nunes was probably most likely to score a goal of all the front three players. Yeah. Um, I felt like, well, in fact, I think I might have the stats up here as well in terms of like even just the most basic thing of his XG on the evening mm. might have been higher than everybody else. Um, so in terms of he took the most shots, like in terms of Liverpool players XG, Darwin Nunes at point three, mm. the next closest with Gakpo with point one, Diogo Jota with point one, and everybody else on the field zero. So even from that side of things, he's done in what 60, 56 minutes more than any other player on the football field, and yet was taken off. Yeah, and 
sacrificed and it's the second game on the bounce so I I don't know why I think I think you're probably right I think the crux of the issue is probably a trust thing um, or it's a sports science thing in that he knows something where he's teetering on the edge and if he plays him too often he's going to get injured mm. and we, we, until we've got Diaz back he can't afford any more injuries in the front three yeah. um, so that might be it um, okay next sort of question around around Real Madrid then tactically were we beaten by Real Madrid because of what happened on the field and the change to 4-2-3-1 because of the Bytetich and the Henderson thing? Or were we beaten by a better side? I think it was a bit of both. Uh, I think Ancelotti seems to be really, as I said, he's, he's clued up about what Liverpool, what to expect when it comes to Liverpool. He knows about the, the threat and transition and the space in behind and things like that. And I think in a lot of these meetings with Liverpool, he's kind of allowed us to, to dominate the ball. Um, he hasn't really engaged in much of a high press because if you engage in the high press your line comes higher the space comes in behind so he kind of lets us build in our own defensive third with complete more freedom. of a mid block would you say yeah yeah and i think he, the more than willing to just retreat whenever they need to there's never much space in behind um and whenever they do get the ball they'll play around a little bit here and and use crews and things like that but as soon as the opportunity arises it'll be a cross field to Vinicius who's up 1v1 against Trent, and he'll just kind of run straight at him uh, and try and, win, try and win his individual duel there. So I think tactically, Angelotti just classic is just playing to his strengths, masking his weaknesses, and not really letting Liverpool play to their strengths. But then if you look at away from the tactical side and just like the players on the pitch, I do think that specifically in the midfield, Madrid just had so much control over both legs, really, but specifically the second leg, you know, I'm sure he would have stressed before the game, like, we have a 3-0 lead, don't give them anything. Um, proper, experienced, composed, cultured performance where it just remains 0-0 for the whole game and then they sneak a 1-0 at the very end. It was like... Did they play as at arm's length? Did they, they, did they have to come out of second gear? That's what I was going to say. I feel like they were in second gear for most of the game, yeah. I feel like if, if there was an emphasis on the game to, where they maybe needed to win or whatever, say it was nil-nil at Anfield or something, I feel like they could have probably turned it up a bit more whenever they wanted to, but it was more a case of we don't need to take any risks. We'll just play within ourselves almost and keep the game at an arm's length. And I think it was exactly that, yeah. Last well, question, then. last question then. Um, what hurt you the most about the performance last night? I think for me going into the game, I don't know about you, but I, I just... I knew it was going to be like that. No, like that, that, that. no, not me, I'm afraid. No, I had hope. I didn't. Deluded hope. I didn't. I'm, I'm, um, You're a proper boring pessimist. <laughs> I'm realistic, <laughs> I like to say. Realistic, mate. And I think... Uh, Full of shit. That's what I like to say. <laughs> but I don't know. I just, I, I get bored being right, though. I don't want to be right. I want to be wrong. But I, 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 want, I want to be feeling like it's a Jürgen Klopp team. And when it feels like a Jurgen Klopp team, you you do know anything is possible. The whole doubt is to believe is stuff, and to go into that game. Are you saying this isn't a Jurgen Klopp team? It's in the works to be that. I think. I think it's there's, there's not. You can't be starting a midfield like that and, and call it a Jurgen Klopp team because for the for most of the season, our starting three midfielders are 29, 32, 31. You know that's not a Jurgen Klopp midfield. Even though they've got the the character traits, maybe, and they used to have the quality, but we associate Jurgen Klopp teams with intensity, energy, legs, physicality, speed, 
directness and Liverpool haven't really played like that this season so the, the most frustrating thing for me about the whole night was we had nothing to lose yet still didn't really lay a glove on them and before the game it just kind of felt like that was going to happen I mean the, the media were like toying up this big miraculous comeback Liverpool are going to do against, you know, Istanbul and all that but it, it never really felt like it was going to happen really and the, the players kind of personified that I felt my, my biggest disappointment from last night was the performance of, of not getting near them and being and feeling like you are the second best team on mm. the pitch and that the other team doesn't have to as we said get out of, out of second gear to beat you and that's that's that I think is tough to take I can totally get to grips with a defeat when you've had more shots than them and I think you've played well yeah but when a team just goes through the motions against you in a massive tie in the Champions League like this and doesn't have to get out of second gear to put you away, that is a major concern for me. That is much, much more difficult to take than just being blown out the water, to be yeah. honest with you, because it, it's like playing men against boys. Yeah. And, that, and that, unfortunately for me, is what I felt like so many times when we've played Real Madrid. Either they've got the experience and they're just better, either they're better at the dark arts, either they get lucky, or either, like last night, they're just miles above us in terms of performance. Yeah. And the miles above us in terms of performance, I think, is the hardest thing to take, because we shouldn't be this far behind Real Madrid. And we had the young side on the field, yeah, yeah, but yeah. by quite a lot. Like, if you'd have said to, to two people off the street, Looking at those two teams, average age of the squad. No one's going Real Madrid's is 29.5 and Liverpool's is 28.3. Mm. Everyone's going, oh, James Milner's starting in the middle of the park. Liverpool's probably average age is a year or two bigger than, than Real Madrid's. Real Madrid, you know, Ben uh, Modric, same age as Blum and James Milner. He's <laughs> 37. Yeah. Cruz getting on a bit there, you know what I mean? All this Cruz. Benzema getting on a bit. Like their average age was twenty nine and a half, and Liverpool's was twenty eight point three, and we look by by far and away the oldest side on the field with no legs, especially in the middle of the park, and that's unfortunate because we did actually have no legs in the middle of the park, and Fabinho and James Milner. Um, so if you want to hear more uh, about uh, Liverpool last night, we're going to touch on Trent Alexander Arnold. Obviously, there was a bit of a Twitter spat between Jamie Carragher and David Lynch. Um, Online, Carragher was talking, wasn't he, on was it Paramount Plus or CBS, Galato, CBS, yeah. CBS, about what he thinks the future holds for Trent Alexander-Arnold. Some quite inflammatory comments um, about whether he's good enough as a right-back to play in a side that's not one of the best in the world. We're going to be discussing that in depth and detail over on Redmen Plus. If you want to get involved, then you can get 50% off for the first three months by using the code DEEP. It is literally going to cost you £2.50 a month, which is less than a shit coffee at a shit branded coffee house. Uh, one of them. I checked. A shit coffee in a shit branded coffee house, a flat white, £3.45. 30-odd shows a month. Of Redmen TV Plus, £2.50 using the code DEEP, redmenplus.com, use the code DEEP, club captain, monthly uh, to get involved. We'll be over there straight away. We'll see you there. Ta. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or 
anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.